0: Welcome along to the podcast. Um, on the podcast that you've just listened to, or the most previous one before this, my word, this is really good English, isn't it? Uh, we were talking about uh, jacket potatoes. I want to report back um, on my jacket potato. Oh, yeah. It was the most underwhelming meal I've had in such a long time. It was a shop-bought one, and it was so bad, so bland.
1: What What was in it? What was the the filling of the jacket potato?
0: Meant to be cheese. I oh, said, so, but you can't have cheese though, can you? So, what did you do with it? I had I had the cheese. It was the blandest cheese ever. Like, they said that there was some, some kind of slapped cheese thing in there.
1: Don't know what it was. Oh. So bad. <laughs> do you know mind liking it? I mean, this, we'll open this up to the Home Time show listeners, the podcast listeners as well. Favourite jacket potato filling? I'm going to say chili con carne.
0: Yeah, it's, it's the beans, isn't it? I'm not a
1: bean fan. Oh, so you're missing out on that. If you could have anything else then on on a topping for a jacket potato, what would it be? I would actually go cheese, but I would stipulate that
0: it's a really strong cheddar like a Canadian.
1: Oh, do you know what we used to have? When I worked at a restaurant in Brixham, we used to have blue cheese on a jacket potato Ooh. with mushrooms in it as well. Do you know what I mean? Like proper 80s style.
0: Now then. Now then. Mm. Blue cheese is... Oh, oh, I'd have to try that. I've never <laughs> had blue cheese. Ge- I might have jacket potato tonight and go and buy some Stilton on the way home. Oh, perfect. I can't wait to find out how you get on. Here's the podcast. <laughs> Not just any old Wednesday. Happy St Patrick's Day! If you are celebrating today, uh, thought we should explore the uh, the luck of the Irish on the show tonight. Do you have uh, a particular lucky charm that uh, you you take with you? Uh, maybe I don't know. Could be something that you uh, used to take into exams. Could be something you're having. like
1: the... we laughing at. We laughing at the music. The music's <laughs> making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, straight. I feel up. like I'm in like a dungeon quest. Or something like that. It
0: is. It is that more than luck, isn't it? Really. Um, I used to have a lucky dating shirt. Bush, have you ever, ever had sort of like a, a lucky charm that's worked for you?
1: Let's just very quickly just uh, focus on the dating shirt for a second. What was this to. lucky dating shirt like? <laughs> what, what kind of what kind of look was it? It had epaulets. <laughs> what, like a like an easyJet um, captain?
2: <laughs> no,
0: it had. It had, um, it had a breast pocket on, uh, on either breast, surprisingly, wow. uh, and uh, then uh, epaulettes on the shoulder, generally where you find them, uh, and it was, uh, it was all black, and I thought I, I think really the reason I called it Lucky is because I thought I looked good in it, uh, but it didn't bring me much luck on dates, and ironically, when I first met my now wife, I didn't wear the Lucky
1: shirt. I love love the idea of it, particularly with the epilepsy and maybe a bit of piping there. You you must look like a general pinochet when you're out having a few drinks.
0: This, can we bring this back to the topic yeah. of the first hour of the show? I feel like um, we go, <laughs> we're going down roads that are unfair. Um, Emily says, I have a Luke Skywalker figure that my partner gave me as a St Christopher. It's been around the world with me. It's had its photo taken with an aeroplane pilot, uh, the opticians having an eye test down a water slide to name a few. I explain to everyone who he is when they see me taking pictures of him as they think I'm a little bit mad.
1: Do I'd love to know, just as a Star Wars nerd, what Luke is? It is it a fun knock around romper suit back on the farm, uh, white outfit Luke, or when remember when he went a bit bad and had his hand blown off, he was in kind of a black. Uh, Katsu, please clarify, what Luke is it? Uh, for me, uh, lucky shirt is, is the, what I've got this lucky. I had a lucky Everton shirt for an entire season. Do you remember we were sponsored sponsored by Cajun? I don't even know what they made. But, um, <laughs> it was the era of Thomas Rosinski, and it, we finished seventh. And embarrassingly, as an Evertonian, uh, we actually released a DVD called The Magnificent Seventh, because we got seventh in the league. Are you kidding and me? It was all, so was that? Are you honestly, God, me? I've actually wow. got the DVD of it, The Magnificent Seventh. It was like well, I think it was the breakthrough year for Rooney when he started in the team. I think he scored a good goal against. Hmm, which team did you, Rooney score an amazing goal against? But anyway, that shirt for that one season was my lucky shirt. Wow, uh, Joe, explain to us what it is for you. Um, two pebbles found
2: found in a digging hole by a small child at a nursery in South London. Uh, but he knew the moment he saw them that they were lucky and wanted me to have them.
1: Wow and is this, is this your your child or, or just <laughs> a child that happened to be around the digging hole?
2: Uh, no, my, my son Dylan it was uh, as I picked him up one evening on the way home. Um, he, he spent a lot of time in the digging hole finding things. but yeah, he presented me with these, these two pebbles and insisted that I must keep them always and they, they've lived together in my pocket for nine years. Nine years? To the point I ought to wash these jeans at some point, um, but I'm paranoid about losing them.
0: Wow. And uh, would you consider, Joe, over the nine years that they've been a particularly good
2: nine years for you? I'd, I'd Some of the best nine years of my life, yeah. I think he did me a real oh. favour finding these. Um, so, Yeah.
1: That's amazing. And uh, are there any significance? <laughs> well, are they both the same size or are they little pebbles, big pebbles? Tell us about the actual pebbles themselves.
2: No, no. One's, uh, one's small and egg-shaped and the other one's slightly longer. And the little one's him and the big one's me, which is such a sweet thing from, oh. a, from, a, from your small child.
1: Love it, Joe. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Uh, Dave has tweeted to say, Guys, I have a lucky chunk of the Top Gear track. Uh, which I keep in my 207. What's the 207? Is that a car? It's a Peugeot. It? He keeps it in his 207. He says I use it to ward off Chris Evans. <laughs> uh, Maria, what is it for you? Um,
0: it's
3: uh, wearing black nail varnish for all concerts and gigs.
1: Tell us about that. Are you? But you're you a performer then, I guess.
3: Yeah, I'm a woodwind specialist, uh, flute and bassoon mainly. But uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: Wow. So yeah. let me think about my uh, my days in the orchestra. And uh, if you're playing the, uh, the 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 flute and the bassoon, are you, you looking at your fingers as you uh, make your way up and down the uh, the ivory? It's not an ivory, not, is it? It's uh, a it's no, a brass. Not thing. Agree, no, not ivory. No. I used
4: to be a pianist.
1: <laughs> he, he still is. Um, take it from me. Uh, <laughs> um, uh,
3: no, I can't possibly see my nails. It's just the thing that I've done since. Well, my early twenties, and like I said, um, if uh, if I forget or if I uh, um, uh, don't have time to uh, change my nail varnish, I, I don't play as well.
2: So,
1: in in terms of being in an orchestra, right? Because I mean, I'm hugely impressed with people can get up there and, and play stuff in front of an audience. Because and you have got a, a huge pressure of everyone else relying on you and all that kind of thing. What's the scariest thing in terms of a nightmare scenario that turns around in your head? Is it forgetting where you are or not being on the right page or what is it?
3: Not at all. It's a, um, a it's all down to mechanics of your instruments. If you if a spring goes or if a screw gets loose and then the keys
0: like flop. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> well, I love yeah. it. It's just amazing. Um, and you've never been tempted then to change the color. Uh, I mean, I would have thought sort of some yeah. kind of like oh. f- fluorescent um, nail varnish might actually sort of uh, draw people's eyes to your performance as what what's your part of the um
3: Well, the when I want to do Christmas gigs. It's still black but with glitter.
1: <laughs> like it, like it. I, I think the whole. I like Richie's coloured uh, fingernail uh, nail varnish idea. It's the equivalent of wearing coloured boots in a football match. Try and get yourself <laughs> noticed. That kind of thing. <laughs> We're having another home-time watch-along tonight, folks. You voted for the film. You voted for Ghostbusters. We knew knew you wouldn't let us down. So it's tonight at 8pm. We're all going to press play on Ghostbusters at the same time. Uh, Back from 1984. Uh, And we thought in honour of what we're going to watch this evening, which is going to be a hell of a lot of fun, uh, we would dedicate an hour of the show this evening to spooky stories. So if there's something that you notice that's supernatural or slightly supernatural has made you say, oh, that's a bit spooky, get in touch with home time tonight by texting 812.15
0: now the reason I'm so excited about this is I don't have a ghost sighting to share uh, in this particular segment but I'm very open to this whole thing. All right, this is not about UFOs. I have seen a UFO. I don't want to hear about UFOs right now. But I'm not I don't have my eyes closed to this, which is why I am fascinated to hear about others who have seen something. And I think, Bush, we should rate uh, the quality uh, of these particular ghostly stories.
1: Yes, what, so we know, like, give them, like, a TripAdvisor rating, but the paranormal style of TripAdvisor.
0: Well, with homage uh, to Ghostbusters that we watched together tonight at 8 o'clock, how about a Slime rating?
1: I love that. So, for example, story about your car keys go missing, splat, one Slime rating, not that good. (laughs) Um, Floating, headless ghost from the the, uh, Tudor times walks through your kitchen whilst you're having your tea, splat, 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 five-star rating.
0: You got it, spot on, that's how this works. Love it. Uh, The Ghostbusters of Glasgow, Bush. Uh, Who'd have thought uh, they have been in touch and have said, got plenty of stories due to being a group of people who all own actual proton packs. But the spookiest place that we've ever been to was the catacombs underneath Glasgow's Central Station.
1: May not be afraid of no ghosts, but it was as creepy as hell. Hey, this opens up a whole new kind of area of the spooky stories. Uh, Maybe you've not got a ghost story as such, but you have like a spooky, famously spooky area near you. So, for example, for me growing up in Devon, Berry Pomeroy, anyone heard of that? Like, well scary castle, supposed to have like tons of ghosts in there. It's uh, it's really, really like jam-packed full of ghosts. And also in Brixham, where, where I grew up, there was a place near St Mary's Square in Brixham that was called like the Black Cottage. And like we were all scared of it as kids. Like used to do ginger knocking on the door and run off. And there was apparently like loads of ghosts and stuff in there. And it looked, you know, sometimes houses look scary. Mm. This this black cottage looked absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Spike says, guys, I had one incident as a serving police officer. At the scene of a burglary, we found the front door open, and as I entered, I saw a male walk from the hallway into the living room, no more than six feet away from me. Thinking it was the burglar, I shouted for him to stop. He then ran into the room. I ran after him, no more than two to three seconds behind him. As I got into the living room, there was no one there, and there was no other way out of the room. It was a summer morning, and the room was well lit. I'll never forget it, uh, and it still haunted me to this day. Wow, these are amazing, Owen. Uh, let's scary. let's
0: hear yours. What's your story, Owen? Um, it was an old Victorian
3: building um, up north. I don't know if uh, if you had them down south, but up north we had these huge old Victorian schools, um, and it was sort of after school a number of times. Um, one of the foundation or nursery teachers we sort of come through looking quite scared because she said she'd heard drums and cymbals, things being hit, and uh, there was after school so it was empty and there was no one else around and then Ooh. one morning uh, obviously it had been the school had been remodelled and behind what used to be the hall they'd made some small work rooms and I was walking past one it was to one of the back entr- exits to the school and as I walked past the room I caught sight of a a girl stood by an old fireplace dressed in there you know, <laughs> sort of looked Victorian sort of, you know quite, quite sort of common Victorian clothing did a double take and looked back and there was nothing there so, and I'm, I'm I'm fairly skeptical about about ghosts and, and such like
1: wow so that's amazing cuz that's what I was going to ask you know are you, are you someone that believes in ghosts and maybe you might be more kind of prone to kind of being drawn in by it. but you up until that point you're completely cynical about ghosts
3: yeah yeah absolutely um I still to, to be honest I, I still am I, although I know I know I saw it absolutely clear as day I still I think I still find it hard to you know to it, 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 it seems an odd thing to to be to admit to, to having seen. I still, you know, still a, a part of me thinks, nah you're just you're just mad, mate. But um, <laughs> no, de- definitely, definitely saw it.
0: Well, I think we give that a slime splat rating of five. That's that's great. Oh, absolutely. And they don't sound like a, a mischievous ghost. They just sound like one who likes the uh, percussion part of the orchestra. <laughs> well, who,
3: who wouldn't love a drum and a cymbal? There you go.
1: Let's get some professional insight, though, right here. We've got Dr. Cal on the line uh, to give us some perspective. uh, Dr. Cal, tell us exactly what you do. Um, So I'm a parapsychologist at
5: the University of Northampton, essentially. So if people come forward with a claim of what we call anomalous experiences, everything from um, having a premonition of the future through to seeing ghosts, a lot of our research at the moment is on, say, in bereavement, people having sense of presence phenomena through to seeing ghosts, that's what we'll look at.
1: So we're watching Ghostbusters tonight, you are essentially a Ghostbuster because they're they're, they're parapsychologists I guess aren't they, the the people in it?
5: Uh, They are, Um, so within that you've got Dr Stantz, Dr Spengler and Dr Venkman and uh, they're all based at the university to start with and the deans don't particularly like their research, there are still a lot of people prejudiced towards it and so they get kicked out and have to work in the private sector.
0: Dr. Cal, I mean, with all due respect to the film, you do sound uh, a little bit more kosher than uh, those with proton packs. <laughs> uh,
5: yeah, I think it's slightly different. And even when you look at TV portrayals of, of ghost hunting, um, you know, with the lights switched off and running about with night vision cameras, that's really not how we go about collecting data on the haunting type phenomena. The reality is it's actually quite boring. If you go along to a location, you might spend days there, if not weeks, just living with the building, because most people have spent a lot of time in them, so we have to do the same, and put ourselves yeah. in the same environment.
1: So what, what bit of kit, what's the main bit of kit that you take with you when you're trying to work out whether there's ghosts there or not, Dr. Cow? Uh, notepad and pen, that's the main bit. No way,
0: oh. there's no movie in that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. There, there are things
5: such as EMF meters and thermal image cameras, but they're not really for us. We take along colleagues in physics or environmental science for things like that. For the psychologists, we're more interested in you know what do we see, what do we experience, what do we feel, and what do we know about conventional psychology that could explain the experience.
0: Did you say you've got an EMF meter? Because I find that unbelievable. Oh, oh dear, no. oh dear, oh dear. <laughs>
1: Dr. Cal, that is proof that there's an afterlife, uh, that joke, that's for sure. I
0: know. <laughs> oh Thanks, dear. Dr. Cal. My pleasure. Really good to meet you both. Great All show. Right. It's time to welcome our guest,
1: Paddy McGuinness, to the show. How are you, Paddy? I'm very well, thank you. How's your good self? Well, we're good. I have to say, I was watching the one show the other day. Uh, you were on it talking about Top Gear, and you absolutely. T- the back of your head on the wall behind you during the show it was unbelievable.
4: Yeah, this is the same one. What we've got here is a is a pitched roof in the trade, and uh, <laughs> I'm just glad I didn't I didn't farmyard it live on BBC One because I was very close. You were composed. But you did I a good just, job. Yeah, yeah, but um it's because this is the only room in the house I can sort of. Get away from the kids and and, and you know because they'll come looking for me. So I come up here and uh, it's a dad's it's a, a dad's halibut.
1: prerogative a dad's prerogative to overreact to any form of injury. So I thought you'd have gone yes. down like Neymar, but you just carried on. It was good.
4: <laughs> and
1: as a dad as well, I
4: feel as though I should have a shed. For this kind of thing <laughs> well, But instead I'm, I'm uh, resigned To a, a back bedroom But anyhow Here we are hey, Have you got a set Of bunk beds
1: Behind you though? Uh, I'm I'm currently in My eldest daughter's Bedroom where We've got all our Stuff at the moment So you'd think oh, I was backstage right. At like the Palladium But it's just All of our clothes Crammed into <laughs> one Horrible room I apologise I feel like we're Getting a, a tour Around Paddy's Actually
0: because Like last time That we, uh, we spoke To you guys uh, On the home time show I think we're in The same room But you it, you were eating certainly a I think it was a pickle sandwich. Well,
4: I've just finished a scotch egg, and, and, and I do a bit with Marks and Spencer's, and they do them, and I, I bought one from there. It's got the runny York game changer. Oh. Oh. None of them ones where you bite, it's all solid. This one, you're like, it's down the chin, you're going, oh, it's lovely. <laughs> I got myself one of them, and I had a little, uh, and I said a little one of them fruit pots before I come on, because after this last lockdown, which we're coming towards the end of now, thank the Lord. Um, I got the old tape measure. I was 43 waist lads. That's great, that. That's good, isn't it? What, 43? I don't think... What, I what's, don't think... what's good about that? Never get a job in the fitness industry. I think, you, I think you've got it. What, I think that's all that? right. You're, I think you're, it's you're, you're morbidly
1: obese. Fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what you're measuring your waist in, Bush. I like, I like a bit of timber. I think a bit of timber's good for you. Don't you worry about it. It's absolutely fine. Oh, it, it, you get tracky bottoms on. You don't need to worry about it.
4: Normally, a 34 waist. See, I don't know if uh, any of your listeners get onto this, but you buy a pair of jeans, say, and you're a 34 waist or a 32 or a 36, whatever you are, that isn't your waist size. Yeah. It's something clothing manufacturers do to play games with your mind. It's this is a true thing. If you pick up a 34 30 waist jeans and I, and I say if I put them on, they'll fit me no problem. But I'm a 43 waist. <laughs> so they put they, they, they've gone down the sizes. Because if you're out in a shop and you pick up a 43 waist jeans, you're gonna be in tears. <laughs> you're not you don't even you're not even you don't even want to take if you you have you got any of them jeans, yeah. What size, sir? <laughs> Forty three. <laughs> it's literally like what?
0: <laughs> well look, you're here to talk about the new top gear. Uh so let's stick a song on. We'll chat all about the new series next. Top Gear returned on Sunday. Uh, you guys driving your dad's old cars, bit of a midlife turn on things. Uh, Paddy, when do you think it's a midlife crisis or just something you actually want?
4: Yeah, no, this is the thing on the midlife crisis episode because what we're saying is there's a blurred line between midlife crisis and, and treating yourself. So, for instance, when I was like 19 years old and I wanted a Ferrari, unless you drop lottery, you never going it. So I think when you get, A certain point in your life, and it's usually in your 40s, whatever you do for a living where you're a little bit more financially secure, you know, and you think, oh, I'm going to treat myself to something now because I never had that when I was younger. And everyone goes, oh, he's having a midlife crisis. And you're like, no, no, I'm just treating myself to something that I I would have loved. I, I think... Motorbikes in general, you, you can kind of get away with it. Harley, over the age of forty, people are going to be looking at you a little bit. And I love Harley Davidsons. In fact, we have one in in the series, um, but. On the other side of it, if you've got the skinny jeans on and your shirt open with a medallion, yep. you're having a
1: full-on mid crisis.
4: <laughs> but I do, I, do think, I do think men get a bit of
1: an odd time about getting themselves a nice car. It was awesome to see you guys driving around in your dad cars and all that kind of stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, I remember, I remember when I was a kid, we had a Cortina for donkey's year, so that was like a proper, that was our dad's car. Fantastic, now people yeah. change cars up so often. Do you think the whole thing of remembering what your dad's car was like is a thing of the past? I really do, and I
4: think why that is, is because, no, everything's finance, isn't it? I remember my old man
0: having one of those uh, Fiat 126s, and, uh, <laughs> I mean, let alone disposable. I mean, you, you dispose of it in the bin. I, I think that was on the driveway more than it was ever
4: on the road. <laughs> but I think, that, again, that's the beauty of cars back then. You know, most of my cars I had back in the day, I was always under a bonnet. I was always doing something. You had to because, you know, if you spark plugs or fan belts or anything at all, you you know, you could turn your hand to. You did because you didn't have much money.
1: What you learnt about your car then. I don't know how to, I've never changed a, a wheel on a car, tyre on a car, wouldn't have a clue. And, and I always look back on my schooling life and think, I, I know how to tie-dye uh, and make my own drawstring bag for my PE kit and make a pencil case, but I don't know, how to, mm-hmm. don't know my way around a car. Why don't they do it in school? Do you think this should, should be part of the, the, the curriculum?
4: Show your sure you're old I on. When I was at school, we used to do MBE, which was Motor Vehicle Engineering. They'd have like an engine out and you'd mess about with it and what have I mean. you. Really? In fact, this shows you when I was at school, this is like when they go on about <laughs> health and safety now. Our MVE teacher, we had an old uh, CV car and he used to get no doors on it, nothing. We'd all jump in it. He'd take us right like handbrake <laughs> turns friend the, 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 the,
1: the sports. Honestly, this is like a, a
4: teacher. You know, no, God, can you imagine
1: that? Hey, well, I tell you what, it's a brilliant episode, Paddy, and it's available right now on the iPlayer, but stay there. When you're back, we want to discuss with you that James Bond episode. Now,
0: Paddy, this Sunday is very exciting for everyone. It's the James Bond episode of Top Gear. Uh, How was it filming it? I'm guessing you must all be fans of the films.
4: I love Bond. I always have done since I was a kid, and Chris loves Bond. But Freddie is not having it. Which which blew me away when he said, I don't like James Bond. I'm like, what? That's like saying I don't like breathing.
2: <laughs> and it's
4: uh, in the anger at Dunsville. They, they brought pretty much every iconic Bond car from the films, from Dr. No to the latest one. And they had them there for us just to drive and, wow. and play about with it. They had rocket launchers on them and everything. And then they had, uh, they told me to go out in this new um this Aston Martin DB5, which is a three and a half million pound car. Yeah. And it's a, called a Goldfinger continuation. And they've redone this car and re
1: engineered it. Sounds it. like a medical oh, condition.
4: Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it had like, you know, pop out machine guns on it and bulletproof shields and smoke came out the back. Of, but it's three and a half million pound this car. You can't drive it on the road. It's not road legal. Wow. So it just shows you there's, there's people that have more money than sense, really. But then the director's saying, just go faster, slide it, spin it. You're like it's three and a half million. <laughs> you know, what it is? but 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 that's the thing with Top Gear, where I go, wow, I can't believe I'm getting getting a chance to do this. You know, it's fantastic. And that episode, I think, whether you're a Bond fan or not, like Freddie came around to it because he, he loved the cars. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: Well, we're, lo- we're loving having you guys back on a Sunday night and on uh, BBC One and enjoyed the first one last week. If there was one one little recommendation just to go back 15 minutes to right at the beginning before we lose you, you said about scotch eggs, hopefully soon with the, vaccination, <laughs> with the vaccinations rolling out and all this kind of thing, we're going to get sports fans back in stadiums, which means you could try, in my opinion, the greatest scotch egg that I've ever had. Freddie could take you there as well. Because the best scotch egg that you will find is at Lord's. So go for, a, go for a game oh. of cricket. Underneath the stands, they sell scotch eggs. And I've never, ever had a better one. It's a scotch egg, but it's wrapped in black pudding.
4: Oh! It's a game-changer. That, that is next level. It is. The only trouble we're doing that with Flintoff, because <laughs> I don't follow cricket, Anytime, time, so if he picks up a scotch egg, all he'll do, he'll go... Thing is, when you're bowling, Paddy, you hold it. Like, and I'm like, I'm not, in, I'm not. I'm not. really not interested, in Fred. Just, I just want to eat it. So anything anything that's a steer, he's, like, he's giving you tips on how to spin it. I'm like, literally, not interested. But, but I will give one of them a whirl next time with her, definitely. That sounds like a game changer, that.
1: Fantastic. We'll keep us posted on that. Uh, Paddy, it's awesome to have you on the show as ever. And make sure you check out the brand new series of Top Gear. Thank you so much.
4: Cheers, lads. Thanks very much.
0: Bush, uh, during the episode of the show that everyone's just heard, uh, our producer, who's in the studio here, wanted to uh, chip in on the discussion that we had at the beginning of uh, this podcast. Believe it or not, yes, we're still talking about jacket potato (laughs) fillings. He's got one to chuck in. Uh, The previous day's curry has got to be up there, boys. Chuck
5: that on top of it, yeah. Chuck that on a jacket potato. You can even put a bit of cheese on top as well, which
1: you wouldn't normally put a bit of cheese with curry. Go for it. You're just trying to you're trying to do the cheese to get the Richie vote, and it's not going to work, <laughs> right? Because well, <laughs> a, a, a tikka masala, tea tikka masala on top of a jacket potato. No, that's just that's not right, is it? That's not right. I think if you went just that touch
0: milder, one of my favourites, the butter chicken. If you're going butter chicken on top of a potato, what about that? Is not going to work. You've got the spice that you like in a chili con carne,
1: okay? Well, what what's wrong about it? I don't know what it is. I just don't think curry should be mixed in with. With jacket potatoes Because if, if that's the case Then you're saying essentially That you could have a curry With kind of uh, Boiled potatoes Or which, something like that Which, which, you, which you do have be right Which one? Bombay,
0: Bombay potatoes What Sagaloo? Yeah Do you not put potatoes in curry?
1: Not often, no
0: Game changer, mate. Try it. I've now got a list bah. of things I need to try. Stilton and <laughs> leftover curry. <laughs> jack and potatoes all week for you. Join us for another <laughs> Home Time Show podcast <laughs> where we talk more about jack and potato fillings.